Well, thank you, uh, Jennifer, and you have done a great job in putting this together because as I was listening to Katie, it really leads on to what I was going to talk about. So, you know, I will probably not spend as much time because she touched on a lot of those uh, uh, topics there. I do want to say that uh, I come from New Mexico, where we don't have very much water like Katie does. And when I grow up, I want to be as tall as Katie, uh, 5'10". You know, that's, I'm still waiting to do that. Um, I remember I was a teacher in the public schools here in El Mogordo. I mean, here in New Mexico at the Navajo uh, Nation in Shiprock, New Mexico. I had been an elementary school teacher there for a couple of years. And um, I attended my first national convention in Phoenix. One of the things that I remember very clearly is looking and discovering a big family, a very large family that understood my blindness and understood me as an individual. I did not feel so alone at that point like I did when I was just teaching by myself, the only blind teacher in the, in the schools uh, here in, in, in that district. But I found many other members of the family. I uh, decided that I was going to join this big family because I felt the strength. I found the strength and I found the encouragement that I needed at that point to function as a blind person. I had been uh, blind. I have a retinitis pigmentosa, and uh, it really struck me pretty early in my life. I was probably uh, five years old when my parents decided that I needed to wear glasses because I had no night uh, vision. And so it just uh, went from better to worse. Uh, the interesting thing is that I attended public schools for a few years, then I never learned to read because I couldn't see the print. I went to the school for the blind when I was 13 years old. And the first thing they told me was, we want you to use your vision because, you know, you still have some. And uh, so we're going to give you large print books. Well, those didn't help. Two years after I was at the school is when I learned Braille, and that's when I learned to read at 15 and older. I share this with you because one of my things, that things that I have thought about many times is there's a lot more to life than just me. There are so many needs out there beyond myself. After joining the National Federation, I heard quite a bit about the National Center, the National Office, how, you know, the, the National Center of the National Federation was in Baltimore. And, but I had this feeling that it was the National Center and then us at that point. After being involved, getting involved in the National Federation of the Blind, becoming the president of the state affiliate and uh, serving on the national board since 2016, I have come to realize that it is not the national office and us. We are the National Federation of the Blind. We are, we represent every blind person throughout the country. And we are the organization. The National Federation of the Blind Center belongs to you, belongs to me. We are all part of a great organization. We are a collective. We cannot make any changes. We cannot change the impact that blind people make in this 
world and in life if we cannot be together. I have had chapter members, chapter presidents say, my chapter, this is what we're doing in my chapter. And I really try really hard to remind them that it is our chapter. It is our organization that we belong to. It is not mine, but it is our organization. I think it's important because when we realize that we all are represent each other, I'm in New Mexico, quite a ways from South Carolina, but I am part of your family. You are part of my family. And as Katie was indicating earlier and saying, you know, she was a little nervous because she doesn't know very many of you, doesn't know any of you. Well, you know, that's the same thing with me. I don't know any of you personally, but I look forward to meeting you at a national convention. I look forward to continuing to work with um, Jennifer and, and any of you uh, that uh, would need me to help in any way that I can. We have to remember that we represent the blind and that it is our organization, but we can't just keep it to ourselves. We have to share it with others. Many times I have found that, you know, we get caught up in our affiliate, local affiliate or our local chapter and everything revolves around our local um, organization. But we don't realize what impact, we don't realize what a difference we are making in someone's life in South Carolina or in Hawaii, or in Louisiana, or wherever. We meet many people throughout our conventions and throughout our leadership seminars and through state conventions, and, and we can make a big difference. But we must remember that it is not I that does that, but it is we that do it collectively. We are a powerful organization as long as we believe that we are the organization and not I am the organization. Sometimes I know we work hard on building our chapters and building our, our affiliates and we try to, to find more members and to try to bring uh, finances. Uh, finances are always a challenge for all of us when we are um, leaders in a, an affiliate. And we're always thinking about, well, how can we bring more finances, more money, resources so that we can accomplish what we need to accomplish with our members and with our the people in our particular areas. And one of the things that I have observed in the past, and it, it's happened here in New Mexico, is that every time we had a fundraising activity, we would buy something that related to the blind. So then we try to maybe sell tickets or have an auction or something. And we were trying to get money from us. We didn't get out of that box to try to find something that we could share with our public, with our family members, with our friends out there. And so, yeah, we, we had some good, uh, I remember we had a one time we've had uh, different things that we sold, but they were related just to a blind person and we might've made six, $700 with it. But when we realized that we had to start thinking out of that box and we started 
believing that we could do that. I'll never forget when my fundraising chair came to me and he says, Adelmo, he says, we are going to raffle off a couple of TVs, a big 54 inch or I don't know, it was a huge TV and then a smaller one. And I said, well, first of all, I said, how much is that gonna cost? And he said, it's not gonna cost anything. It has been donated to us. A friend, a friend of mine, he said, has donated that TV. And I said, okay, that sounds good. How about the second one? He says, someone else donated the second TV for us. I said, okay, well, that sounds great. And we purchased, I don't remember how many raffle tickets, how many tickets to sell throughout the time that we were selling, like three months or something. And uh, we were able to sell them to everyone that we came across, not just our blind family members, not just our own chapter members, not just our affiliate members, but to our other family, church family, um, people at the store, you know, different people. At the end of that day, when we drew the names of the winners for those two TVs, we had 5000 about $5,200 that we had raised. And that was all our money. And it was because we went out of that box and started thinking about how can we involve others. Last year, we were fortunate to have uh, Southwest donate two tickets anywhere Southwest flies to uh, as a fundraiser for our affiliate. The problem is, is that it was when COVID hit <laughs> And we were not able to, well, first of all, people weren't traveling as much and we weren't able to sell as many tickets. And so that was uh, damper. It held us back from doing, uh, getting the funds that we feel that we could have gotten earned if we would have had a regular year or regular convention. But again, we didn't pay anything for those tickets and we still came out of probably about $1,500 profit. So when I say it is beyond myself, it is beyond yourself, that's what we're talking about. We can only do so much ourselves, but it's when we join together and we become the organization that we are, that we believe in, the organization that has helped encourage you and has helped encourage me to continue to move forward. When I first came to the National Federation of the Blind and well, even growing up, I grew up in a small ranch in Northern New Mexico where I really didn't think I was gonna accomplish a whole lot because I didn't know what I would be able to do. And when I came around the National Federation of the Blind, I realized that my potential was not just living at the small ranch in Northern New Mexico, but that I could do so much more. And today I am thankful because I have had so many challenges not just by my friends in New Mexico, but by my friends throughout the country. And it has changed my life. And it has challenged me to always continue to grow. I take my experience of um, a member of the National Federation as my rock climbing experience when I became the director of the National, of the orientation center here for the Commission for Blind in New Mexico. I started working in March and by the fall, the teachers there were all excited about doing rock climbing. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, what, what, what am I gonna be doing doing rock climbing? Why, you know, what is that gonna do for me? 
But of course, being the director, I thought, okay, I gotta, I'm gonna support it. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna do it. We're gonna do it. So I remember the first time that we went to the to the rock climbing to the cliffs. And my first climb, uh, first of all, I was a gentleman. I thought I was being a gentleman. It was a way of me uh, postponing time and hoping that I didn't have to climb. But I found out that the staff wasn't going to let me get away with that. I waited until everybody climbed and then the staff said, okay, I don't want your turn. And I started to climb and two feet up and I thought I was ready to come down. I needed to come down. I just couldn't, I just couldn't uh, uh, continue climbing. Uh, and, but I was challenged to climb. I was challenged to reach my goal up there. And as hard as it was, I finally reached and I'll never forget the moment that I touched that that chain up there. And I felt that chain and there was a, uh, a sense of victory. There was a sense that I had accomplished something that I never thought that I would be able to do. I came down and the next day we went back up there to climb. At that point, I didn't worry about who climbed first. I was ready to go and I was ready to start climbing because it had given me something that I knew that I could accomplish and that it had challenged my life, but it had changed my life. And I think that's what we have to look at our organization. When we look as membership of the National Federation of the Blind, we have to look at it, how it has changed our lives and how we can change someone else's life. There are many people out there who, who have not had the privilege of being a member of our organization. There are people out there that don't have the confidence that you and I have been able to accomplish but we've done it collectively. We are working together to change lives for blind individuals. When we say the National Federation of the Blind knows that blindness is not the characteristic that defines me or you and our future, that's exactly what we mean we can accomplish whatever we want to accomplish that we don't know where we're going to end. I never believed that I would be a national board member. And as Katie mentioned earlier, these titles don't mean anything to me. I am Adelmo Vigil. I am here to help people, to make a difference in people's lives. I am also the president of the National Blindness Professional Certification Board. That is, again, a title. But what we want is to be able to set the guidelines, to set the goals, and to set the standard where we can all benefit from who we are and the organization that we are serving, that we are working for today. I remember, I believe it was John F. Kennedy that said, don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That's what I would say today. Don't ask what the Federation can do for you, but what can you do for the members of the National Federation of the Blind? Uh, Jennifer, if anyone has questions, I'll be happy to entertain them. Uh, I'll be... Pretty much that's what I had in my comments. All right, meet it. They clapped for you, Delmo, but uh, we, we, uh, <laughs> we had you muted on this side, but uh, uh, they are giving you a standing ovation. And uh, we, Adelmo, um, would entertain questions from the audience. Uh, yes. Sander? Sander? 
It's Sandra. Oh, oh hi Sandra. there. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yes, hello, Delmo. Um, my, you answered one, hello, one of the Sandra. questions. How are you? At what point, Good. one of my questions was, was um, at what point did you know that the NFB was for you, but and you answered that question. But how how were you introduced to the NFB? And if you could expound on um, at what point did you know you wanted to be a part of it? And um, again, I'd like to thank you for you being one of the most inspirational and influencing people in my life that let me know uh, through cane travel that it was where I wanted to be. Okay. Well, uh, Sandre, I appreciate the question. I, first of all, when I first heard about the National Federation of the Blind, like many of you, I'm sure you have heard how radical and how uh, irrational the National Federation of the Blind is and that you don't want to be close to those members because they'll ruin your life. I mean, basically, that's what I heard from when I was at the School for the Blind in Alamogordo. Uh, what, what happened is I was, when I was teaching in, in Shiprock, I was in 19, well, I had been teaching for about five years. And in 1980 or 81, I believe it was, the president of the uh, affiliate, uh, Dr. Schroeder, uh, Fred Schroeder and, and uh, Joe Cordova invited me to come and speak to the uh, convention about my experience in teaching. And so I thought, okay, I'll go there. And uh, I went in and talked about my experience, the problems that I had had trying to get a job as a blind teacher and all of that. And I um, had thought, I'll go in and do my thing and then leave. And they'll probably never see me there again. You know? Well, was I mistaken? One of the things that probably the following week after we were uh, we had gone home, I get a phone call from uh, Joe Cordova, and he says, Adelmo, he says, how would you like to start a chapter in the local area where you are up in Farmington? And I said, uh, I don't know what to do. He says, don't worry about it. We'll work with, we'll work with you. And so basically, once I got in contact with the National Federation of the Blind, I was basically put to work. And that is really what has helped me accomplish and be able to believe in what we do is because someone knew my potential more than I did. And Joe Cordova and Dr. Schroeder challenged me to, the, to live up to that. And that's when I first started, when I attended the, the national convention, of course, that was uh, that I wasn't looking back after that. And that was in Phoenix. And I knew that that was the organization that I believed. Now, one of the things that I think that a lot of us have is we all are survivors. We all are going to fight for our rights. And I had done that. To, to get a job and did not have the National Federation to support me. I wish I had, but I didn't. But the one thing I did know is that the National Federation of the Blind had been paving the way for blind people, blind individuals to be able to teach blind teachers in the public schools. I didn't know that before until I joined the NFB. And, that's where it really uh, took off, and I never looked back. You know. Any other questions? That was a long answer, Sandra, but you know me. Thank you, but, yeah, but thank you. You answered the question. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody? in the center have a question. Um, star nine, if you, or alt Y. Oh, um, Shannon is coming to the podium. Hi Adelmo. 
Hello, Sandra. Hi, I just wanted to say I was able to listen to the interview with Jesse Shirek last year. And um, I really enjoyed that. It was great. Just more for y'all who weren't there. It was an in-depth uh, discussion of his life. And it was really, really good, really inspiring. Your perseverance has paid off to make a successful life. And that makes us, uh, you know, makes it worthwhile for us to, to look up to you as someone who has just taken your whatever situation we all have and, and do what we can to make the best of that. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Appreciate that. And, you know, that's really what it's all about is for us to just keep being strong, keep marching forward. Um, 4885, ending in 4885 with an 803 area code. Is that four five eight five? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it probably is. <laughs> Hi, it's Linda. Hi, Carmel. Um, I just had one question. Um, in becoming an, um, a blind educator, what were some of the challenges or and all barriers that you faced? Well, Linda, that could take the rest of the evening, and I'm sure some of you guys want to go home, but I'll try to be brief as much as I can, okay, because that has been one of the biggest challenges. The first thing that I faced when I was going to college and uh, wanted to teach in the public schools, I was told by the uh, professor that was my supervising professor that I would have to go teach at the school for the blind because I was blind and that was the only thing I could do was teach blind kids, which I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I had already prepared myself. I had looked ahead and talked to uh, a third grade teacher in the public schools in one of my classes and told him what I wanted to, what I wanted to do. And he said, you know, Adelma, when you get ready to do your student teaching, you, come, you can do it in my class. So I had already paved the way for myself to be able to do that. This professor didn't know that. And when I told him that, he said, well, I don't think they're going to take you, but I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll ask him. And so when he did, of course, they said yes. I went back and he, he told me, well, I'm surprised. And, and so we, I did my student teaching in the public schools there in Silver City. When I graduated from college with my degree, I applied in the same district where I had done my student teaching, no, no concerns, no problems. And the first thing that uh, they did was they kept pretending that they were going to interview me. In fact, I had a, a mock interview basically with the personnel director. And then he said, well, he says, I'll send your application to the principals. And when they, then they'll be calling in you in for a uh, uh, interview. Well, I found out that he had not forwarded my application or my name to the principals to be hired. So, of course, I went to the superintendent and talked to him about it. He said, well, he says, what you need to do is let the principals know that you're interested and because you're blind, that's why they're not calling you. Well, when I went to talk to the elementary principals, they told me, Adelmo, we receive a list from the personnel director of people who are eligible for hire and your name is not on that list. And so that was something that was really disappointing, but it set up a challenge for me at that point to say, you know, this is going to change. And we went from there, the supervising teacher that I did my student teaching with he was with me and we went to go see an attorney right after that. We filed a, a complaint with the uh, human rights. And uh, eventually the district offered me a job, but I did not, not want to go back to that job because I already had my job in Shiprock. I had been working two years and been successful at it. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was the biggest thing. The other challenge that I did face was... You know, of course, back in the day when I was around, 
there was not the technology that we have today. And so a lot of it was printed material that I had to have somebody read to me and those types of things, finding someone who could find, I mean, you know, help me great papers and things like that. But it worked out. It all, um, we managed, I managed it. And I spent 16 years teaching elementary ed and then coached at the junior high and high school wrestling there in Shiprock. Thank you. Wonderful. Any other questions? <laughs> Hope that answered your, I, like I said, there's a lot more to it, right. Linda, but you know. Uh, the phone number in 4885. Star six, to unmute yourself. 4885. Miss Drayford. Yes. yes. Miss Draper? Daisy. Go on, man. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Yep. How are you? Good. Do you have a question? Um, I was had a question for Miss uh Camp. Mr. Who? I've been trying. Miss Cameron, I've been trying to get on the line, but I don't know what I was doing wrong. Miss who? Oh, Miss Oh, Miss Katie Pine. Gotcha. I don't know if she is she still on. I don't know. Okay, she is. Uh, what about uh, what? Uh, what about Miss Cook? I'm here. Hello, Miss, Hello hi, I'm here, Jennifer. Okay. Oh, uh, Miss. Miss Cook, I'm from I'm from Lancaster Chapel. Uh, I used to be the president for Lancaster Chapel. Hey, Miss Daisy, um, yes, ma'am. Miss Kine, Miss Katie Kine is on now. You you had a question for her? I want her to call me. Oh, okay. <laughs> you uh, do you want her to call? You want her to call me? Miss Cook to call you or Miss Kime to call you? I want I want both of them to call me. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll send Katie an email with your number, okay? And yes, ma'am. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Miss Shannon said they do a conference call. <laughs> but we, we, we have to make sure we get Miss Katie when it's uh, an appropriate time. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. I was sleeping when you started and at 10 a.m. I, I read it. I read it and judged it, what was saying. I've been on the phone ever since 10 o'clock this morning. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thank you, Miss um, Daisy. Daisy May, thank you very much for your uh, for your insight. And we will make sure those ladies contact you, okay? Um, does anybody else have a question for Adelmo or apparently Katie? <laughs> <laughs> Tag team here, Katie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I'm, right. <laughs> I'm with you, Adelmo. Huh? <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Patricia Jenkins. Yes, I have a question for the speaker. Um, I heard you say that you were a public school teacher. And so was I. I was um, um, blind in April of 2019, and I retired because I had done 33 years. But um, about maybe a year and a half was really difficult because I had glaucoma and slow-moving disease. So um, my sight really got bad um, for about a year before I retired. And my school district was kind enough to make um, several accommodations for me. Um, I was wondering if when you were a public school teacher and you were blind, what other accommodations did they give you other than to, um, to have someone read for you? Um, basically what uh, we had was since I was teaching in the elementary school and it was in the, in the Navajo Nation, all of the 
the teachers uh, in the elementary schools had a paraprofessional assistant, educational assistant. And so I was assigned one to work with me. And so basically we kind of changed some of the, some of the duties that uh, this individual had from the other uh, schools, you know, I mean, from the other teachers. And so we worked together where, I mean, you know, we were able to uh, manage and keep up with all the grading and all the, the work that we needed to do. Uh, that was basically the only accommodation that they gave me. Uh, like I said, I had a Perkins Brailler, a Braille, my Braille um, Slate and Stylus, and that was what I used for for reading and you know working with the students uh, throughout. One of the things that I did was I always work with my students and try to build up their confidence. And at the very beginning of the year, the first thing I told them was that they were we were going to be the best class in the school. And I had some kids that would say, yeah, we can. And I had a few that would say, well, I don't want to be in this class. I'd say, okay, well, we make arrangements to put you in a different class. And by the end of the you know uh, half an hour or so, they were ready to stay. And every time that the kids started to act up or whatever, I would say, is this the way the best class in the school behaves? And they go, no. I said, okay. And that was basically what I learned to do. And that was more on my own because I didn't have anyone else that could do that. Now, I think the important thing here is that I was blind younger and had had that experience. And when you lose your sight as a later in your life, and especially towards the end of your career, it is not an easy course to run. You know, it's tough. And I appreciate the fact and the fact that you shared this with us because that tells you that there are those districts out there who are willing to make those adjustments, are willing to help out and not like the one that I first started trying to work with. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, I think that is all of our questions. Adelmo, thank you so much for your time on a Saturday. Um, Bradley, um, you, uh, he is two hours behind us, not quite six, but um, we are grateful for his time on a Saturday. Um, so thank you so much, Adelmo. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. Hold on one second. 5200, area code 80, area code 864. 864, ending in 5200. Tim Gilstrap, is that you? Yes, it's me. Okay. Yes, I'm, I was thinking, did uh, any of his students, were they curious, did they want to learn Braille along I with had their other subjects? Yeah, I had a few that uh, did. I think the most, one of the things that they really uh, tried to do is to close their eyes and try to walk around, you know, without, uh, you know, seeing things, you know. And, uh, but one of the things that I found out is when we were talking about disabilities, they, they really never thought that blindness was a disability in their, in their mind because I was their teacher. And they were right there with me. And uh, we, uh, I also earned the reputation of, of uh, you know, from teachers and the principal, anytime they had kids who were discipline issues, had discipline issues the prior year, guess whose class they went into? Mine. And that's what made it a beautiful challenge. But very few, they try to read my books, my Braille materials, but they spend a lot of time trying to learn it. They didn't, you know, but thank you for that question. Jennifer, I want to thank, thank you. you for thank giving you, me sir. the opportunity to be here and to be part of this training. I wish I was in person and 
South Carolina, but uh, one of these days, who knows, we might uh, be there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, Adelmo. Uh, oh, oops. Did you lose yourself? Okay. Apparently, <laughs> I was unmuted. I mean, muted. Um, so thank you so much, Adelmo, very, very much. We appreciate uh, you being a part of the family with us today. And um, to those guests who are still on we and presenters, we thank you. Um, I know we're supposed to be done by now, um, but if you all will, the ones that are left with us in person and virtual, if you will give me a few minutes uh, to wrap up and to do one more gift card, I know all of you, um, Katie might not be ready for uh, dinner, but a lot of us are ready for dinner. <laughs> I'll, I'm I'll be not quite dinner or supper, but that's, that's okay. Right. That's right. Um, uh, Thank so you, Jennifer. Those, yes, absolutely. Um, to those of you who, um, I, as we all know, are part of our family, thank you um, for being um, with us today. Um, six hours is a long time um, to devote on a Saturday, so I am super grateful to all of you from South Carolina and beyond, to those um, leaders and future leaders, uh, to our board, to um, our presenters. Um, some of our presenters are on the national board, so we appreciate them. And I, I wanted to just close out a little bit before um, we leave. Um, I am grateful that uh, we had presenters so that you didn't hear me or I didn't have to speak for six hours. Um, that gets really tough sometimes. And so I'm just, I'm just grateful that we had folks that were willing to give their perspective, to give their experience and, and to give part of their story. Um, and um, Dave Dino Terrace and Eileen Lai gave us a question. What was that question again? What little thing can what you do to help your affiliate? What little thing can you do to make a big difference in our affiliates? I think that's a really good question. It's a good question that we're not going to let go. We might let go for today, but we will circle back to that question. Um, um, if you um, think about that, think about that because that question will come up and we will have a brainstorming session. A brainstorming session where your, your answers are not judged. Um, you do not have a fear of uh, not succeeding. Um, that question will be asked again so that we as an affiliate continue to build our affiliates so that we continue to be and grow united. Um, because our, our word that we voted on for 2021 is unity. So um, please think of that. If you have suggestions, you may email me at jhipp25 at sc for South Carolina.rr.com. Um, my cell phone number, which is my work number, my personal number, the only way you can get me is 803 960 9977. David Houck has it. It's in the positive note every week. Uh, that goes out. If you would like to be on the NFB of SC listserv, you may send, um, let me know, and I'll make sure Steve gets you signed up. Um, and so that is that. Um, so the other thing is that I want you to think about is how are we designing the NFB of SC? Katie talked about how we are designing ourselves. What are we, what are we designing? Um, what are the characteristics that help define us and that we are designing? So I think we should pose that to the NFB of SC. What 
what do we want the NFB of SC to look like? How are we going to design the NFB of SC? Kind of goes along with the question, what little things are we going to do to make a big difference in the Palmetto affiliate? But of course, then we'll obviously make a huge difference in the NFB. Um, those are some great questions that we will we will revisit. Yes, in the in the coming months, um, we will revisit that question. We have a board meeting uh, again on the 29th of April, so we will bring that up again. Uh, Frank Frank has a comment or a question, um, so you just come up here and just speak. Um, we're at the podium right here. And you can just speak. There's no, I mean, the mic's laid gotcha. down so they can. I gotcha. Um, good afternoon, everyone. You know, I've been around a long time, uh, 40 some years. Um, had the opportunity to participate in leadership seminars and also had the opportunity to conduct uh, leadership seminars. I don't know how about y'all felt, but I thought today was an outstanding day uh, with having our outside speakers coming in from all over the country. Um, I know Adamo said it best. Um, we are the National Federation of the Blind. This is our affiliate nationally, locally, state, and so forth. And I think that we need to. I think we need to give our state president a big hand. Jennifer is doing an outstanding job for uh, putting this together. Um, um, let me not say Marlon again. <laughs> Mr. Stover has posted in the chat. Thank you, great six hours, South Carolina. Um, again, thank you, Frank. It is, it is not me. It is all of us working together. Um, it is, it, it, it was thinking of how, you know, what, what would we like to hear? And of course, when we're putting this together um, and putting this together, it's, it's okay, what would, what would Jennifer like to hear? What would the members like to hear? And again, it's not about me. Um, as Adelmo says, it's, it's not me. It's not me. It's all of us working together. I do appreciate um, the thanks, the appreciation, the pats on the back, it does go a long way. Um, I got to tell you, this week is, uh, wasn't easy from uh, planning this several, several uh, you know, months ago to, um, as some of you may know, writing national scholarships that are due on Thursday, <laughs> um, doing that to conducting business meetings on Monday to getting a second vaccine to doing all the things that I'm doing, but all of you have so much on your plate as well. Um, thank you for giving me the time to, to spend some time with my family this past week as my children were on spring break. Um, a lot of you were so gracious in giving me that time. Um, of course, it's never a vacation. There's always something to do but I was able to take time with my children, which I know all of you can appreciate. They will, they will not always be young. So as we leave this space and, and this time together, um, I, I hope that you have gained something. If we had time, I would love to hear your thoughts on what you are going to carry with you from this. Um, I'm happy to, um, hear that in an email or call me um, of what you're gonna, how it's, it's important that when we leave this space, we take something with us. What are you to design you? What are you gonna take from this and carry it on into, into tomorrow, into the NFB of SC, into the NFB nationally, locally, um, what are we going to do? It's great that we hear these things. Now, what are we going to do to put those things into action to be better people, to be in a better affiliate, um, to be better together? 
So thank you so much to all of you. I appreciate you, um, your encouragement, your kindness, your love, and uh, look forward to um, um, growing this affiliate. And uh, um, thank you for all that you do to help me to be a better leader. Dorpa. Thank you. Oh, Dorpa. I was almost going to say goodbye. Uh oh. Oh no. 80 something people. <laughs> so Steve says that we have a door prize. We've had Loretta and David and Cassandra. Now we have, those are South Carolina folks. We need some out of state folks. Let's see what the wheel tells All right. Spin the wheel. <laughs> Gwen Lucas. Gwen Lucas. Greenville chapter. Gwen Lucas. Star nine or alt Y. Gotta know you're here. Gwen Lucas. Nope. One more time. Gwen Lucas. Star nine or alt Y. Okay, Steve, spin it again. I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> you are dizzy. Come on. <laughs> Man, don't have a good day, Shelly. Shelly, come on. <laughs> I think Shelly's here. Thank you all. Have a great afternoon. Please contact me if you have any questions or need anything from the Palmetto Affiliate. Goodbye and God bless everybody.